Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Songwriters on Process podcast. My name is Benno Papari, and since 2010, I've run the Songwriters on Process website, where you can find more than 200 conversations with songwriters about the creative process. I'm not here to talk about tour stories, band drama, how a band got its name, or favorite foods. My goal is to treat songwriters as writers, plain and simple. This is an intelligent conversation about the writing process between two writers. And today's interview is with Martin Sexton. So we did this back in uh, September of 2021. And, you know, I've done 200 plus interviews for this site. And this is the first time I've ever heard this part of the writing process. So like all of us, Martin sometimes gets in a rut, you know, when he's writing. And for some people, they walk away. Other people's push through. Other people push through. Some people might you know, talk to someone, whatever, but we all have our different ways of getting through a rut. Um, his ruts happen. He told me when he, uh, when he kind of gets in his own way, too much editing, too much thinking about what he's writing about when the goal is just to get stuff down. So anyway, here's what he does. He needs disruption. So he takes two radios, puts one on either side of his computer and plays a different genre of music loud. It can't be the same genre. It's got to be a different genre. Could be rate talk radio and rock. Could be classical and country. The sounds don't matter because it drives his editor crazy. So basically, these two competing genres uh, disrupt his editor because he can't focus on them when these sounds are coming in. I never heard that before, and it blew my mind when he said that because I thought that's actually kind of genius. Um And again, you know, some people have their ways of doing things, but I've never heard a radio on each side of the computer and just play it loud and drive your editor crazy. But here's what's interesting. When he's not in a rut, he prefers silence. And his favorite place to write is the family cabin deep in the Adirondack Mountains. Uh, He lives there in the summer and visits in the winter. Uh, And he says that the clean air and the clean water and nature, it's a magical place. He just sits at the table and writes for hours. He loves the dead quiet. So, you know, dead quiet or chaos, either one. Um, But this is one thing that a lot of songwriters do tell me, how many song ideas they get by driving, going behind the wheel. And he says, the sound of the tires hitting the pavement puts me in an elevated state of consciousness. I have heard that a lot from songwriters driving or not just driving, but more specifically, the sounds associated with driving give them song ideas. So with that, enjoy my interview with Martin Sexton. The first thing I like to ask is, I guess, how much writing do you do outside of songwriting? Is it just, are you strictly just with songwriting or do you journal writing or stuff like that as well? Yeah. I don't. I I pretty much just songwrite. I don't really write in a journal or write articles or write uh, short stories or uh, one. I'll write if I have a dream. Yeah, I'll write it down. Maybe I don't really have a dream log per se, but uh, but primarily it's just uh, for the function of uh, documenting lyrics and a song. Yeah. So is, you know, these ideas that come to you then, you know, when they strike, you know, you're out and about whatever, where do you, do those go into your phone or, you know, these, these things that you hear stuff like that, where, yeah. do, where do they go nowadays? Well, sometimes I, I sit down and I, 
act, you know, many times I'll sit down just to write, you know, songs. Um, and usually I use a, a recording device like the iPhone or whatever. In the old days, it was a little Panasonic dictaphone. Oh, yeah. Uh, or a good old, you know, pen and pad. Uh, but to really capture like the melody and not forget the melody, I always had to record them. So I think I actually found the old Panasonic with the little micro cassettes in it. Yeah. And uh, it's still got some song ideas from like 1995 on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So do you go back? Yeah. How often do you go back? Do you have a lot of discarded ideas that you've worked on and you think, you know, there's not a home for it now, but maybe down the road, do you have a lot of those discarded ideas somewhere and you go back to them? I do have a lot of them, uh, you know, strewn about. And um, I do revisit them on occasion, but pretty rarely. Primarily I'll sit down to write like, okay, I have to write a record. So I'll, I'll sit down and I'll write, you know, a bunch of songs either with myself or with a co-writer and and I'll, and I'll have sniblets from out on the road where I was driving and, um, you know, this melody or this phrase came into my mind and I'll record that. I think I woke up to a dream the other day and I just recorded, you know, some lyrics that I found in the dream. That's a, I love that when that happens. That's kind of like a gift from the universe. It's like a freebie. Yeah. Does that happen a lot? Because I, I do hear that quite often from songwriters that, mm. you know, you got the, the notepad next to the bed. Um, but do those do those dream melodies happen often? that You think I got to write that down? I'd say for me, it's only, you know, five percent of the time I get yeah. those free melodies or free phrases from like the dream world. Uh, but when they when it's, it's nice when they do happen, though. So is there a ritual then? I'm fascinated by the rituals you know, of, of writers in general, like time of day, place, things mm -hmm. you have to have with you. Um, is there an ideal environment where you tend to get your best writing done? Let's see. I think there's a, a few different ideal environments for me. One would be when I'm at the steering wheel or in the passenger seat, you know, out on the road, when my mind can just free up you know, no radios playing, no music playing, just the sound of the tires hitting the pavement. And a few hours of that kind of puts you in this state, you know, like uh, an elevated state of consciousness, I think. It's almost like half awake, half sleeping. And um, sometimes that's a that's a really good time for me to create like ideas, like, um, like an idea for a song or a chorus or a, a line. It's tough to write a whole song that way. But... Um, my other um, sort of magical space would be up uh, nor way north of Hamilton, New York, way up in the Adirondacks, where yeah. I live in the summer and uh, visit there in the winter. And it's just a magical place with a lot of uh, nature and water and uh, um, beautiful, clean air. I get up there and uh, I'll sit in the cabin and, and just, you know, around the coffee table with my cup of coffee, maybe a pen and pad a little recording device um, and maybe a little candle under my seat because, Oh my God, I'm so overdue. I'm supposed to freaking write a record by now. You know, that always helps. Right, too. right, right. Uh, that's, that's a huge motivating force actually for me is like, okay, man, you know, it's time to time to write a record. It's been a few years now and you got to pay the mortgage and put the kids in school. So there's always yeah. that. Here. Okay. So I want to explore a couple of things here. Um, one is the movement, because this is something I hear often from songwriters, the role of movement. 
um, to the process. And I think there's two types of movement. There's the movement and then literally when something else is transporting you, whether it's a car, bus, van, airplane, train, you know, I hear that often. Um, you know, I had these, I interviewed James McMurtry a couple of years ago and he talked a lot about that, but that's pretty common like that. Yeah. But what is it? So I want to talk about that first. What is it about that? Do you think, because I've, now that we talk about upstate New York, I remember interviewing someone probably 10 years ago, years ago, and they mentioned how going over the covered bridges in New York and the sound of the tires going over the wood yeah. gave them kind of a rhythm, a melody. Mm -hmm. So is it the boredom factor, you know, of, of where you're kind of, you know, you're driving down the road or are there things that you're hearing? Because I hear that often, but I'd love to explore that. What do you think mm -hmm. that is? Well, for me, it wouldn't be a boredom issue because I'm not bored, actually, when nothing's going on. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I think it's just that it allows the mind to reflect on other things that have happened that day or that week or that year or 10 years ago. And, and it, it allows me to conjure up stuff from the past or imagine things in the future. I, I do some of my best thinking, I think when I'm on the road. Um, I'm not sure what it is. It's not a physical like rhythm thing for me personally. Um, although you can, you know, you hit a certain patch of pavement and it does do that. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Right. Ba -boom. And that, that can be cool too. That's rare for me to actually catch that and remember it. But um, I don't know, for me, it's just an opening of the mind that allows, some call it the muse, or, uh, or, or my sense of craft, you know, I've been doing it 30 years Yeah, to sort of do its thing. And, and hopefully I'll have a, a means of recording, whether it's a paper or a little microphone or something, because those ideas, they come. Uh, and as I said earlier, it's, it's hard for me to, to finish a song while driving, but, but that's where a lot of the songs are born, you might say. What about ideas that come to you? I mean, as you're driving and you see a billboard or you see something, does that happen often too? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Actually, there's a song of mine called freedom of the road. And the second verse is up ahead of trucks, carrying a wide load, a prefab house cut in half. And that's just simply because I was sitting in the back seat of my friend's Cadillac. We're, we had started <laughs> the song in a diner and then we said, you know, we need to freshen up the mind. So we headed out on the highway in his Cadillac and he's driving and I'm in the back with my Gibson. And we couldn't, we had a great chorus and a great first verse. And I'm like, what the hell's the second verse, man? That's always a hard one for me is the second verse. Hmm. And uh, so, hey, I'm just making stuff up. I'm just uh, uh, stream of consciousness. Well, what's in front of me? Oh, up ahead of trucks carrying a wide load. You know? And it actually became, a, a, I think, a beautiful line and a beautiful image in the song okay the next thing is i hear this often too you know walking biking where you're you know you're moving on your own and where that is more of like the cadence people talk about mm -hmm. you know songwriters have all these theories about the rhythm you know the yeah. cadence the yeah. limb movement yeah um swimming so many of those things D does that mm -hmm. happen to you often well you know funny you should mention on the record that i'm currently working there's a track called uh, hold on and it's all about this treehouse I built with my kid. And I had the idea. I sat in the treehouse after we finished it and I got the gist of it. Um, but I actually didn't have a chorus, which is odd for me. Usually the chorus comes early. But um, 
So being a pandemic, we did all kinds of things together, which was a beautiful thing. Like we cleaned the cabinets and we waxed the floors and we rode bikes a lot. We're on our dirt road up in, in the Adirondacks. And I was out riding with my son and um, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the pedaling, uh, <laughs> but a couple of miles down the road, I got this hold on to what you got, like what's important, hold on to what you got, to what it is, not what it's not, like not the bullshit, just the, the good stuff. To, and, and I was like, oh my God, that's the course. And I heard it. I was like, hold on to what you got, to what it is, not what it's not. And I was like, I didn't have a phone on me or anything to record it. So I just like <laughs> hauled ass. To, and I kept singing it over oh, and over great. and over. I even sang it to my neighbor because I, you know, I, I didn't want to forget it. And so I just kept singing that and singing and singing it until I got home and I grabbed a little dictaphone or something and, and got it in there so I wouldn't forget it. And then I added it to the tune. So, yeah, bike riding brought that specific chorus out. Now, did I hear you say you're going to the Adirondacks in the summer or the winter? Well, we live there in the summer and then we visit in the winter. Now, do you mm. go up there with the intent to write? Is this the place where you go and you think, I'm going to go up there to write? Because I, I, I guess I feel like we all have our places where, you know, for whatever is the mojo is, you know, where yeah. it, whether it's confidence or superstition, whatever. And it could be like a favorite chair where you sure. feel like there's a level of. So do you have places like that? Where you yes. feel like maybe, uh, yeah, go ahead and talk about that, I guess. Yeah, well, um, well, I live there primarily in the summer. It's my full-time residence from June to September. And I try not to tour too much in the summer because I want to be there. Um, and, but when I go up off season, it's usually because, okay, I got to write. And I wrote, yeah, I wrote quite, I wrote a couple records up there, several actually, where I would just go up. I think for me, it's, it's about the magic of this, the place but it's also about just the dead quiet and, you know, in the winter mm -hmm. up where we are, you know, there's no one around. It's just me and like the coyotes, you know, it's like, yeah, no kids, no phones ringing, no cars going by, no boats going by. It's just snow and ice and wind and weather and, and, and me and my guitar. And that's a good time for me to really hunker down. And, you know, I tend not to write well on bright, sunny days you know what hmm. I mean? because i'm too distracted like oh my god look at how beautiful it is i tend to do better on a rainy or a, a cold snowy day where you're not supposed to be outside anyway again like i just it it's so interesting to hear you see you say that because there are some people that really thrive on i mean forget sunny days who thrive on like the noise and the chaos around them dig it yes um, and that works too yeah it does I, i've actually uh, tried putting two radios on at once on different stations to write and that's been productive as well where you there's the other opposite thing where you know i'll have one channel here on a radio and another channel playing at the same time like maybe it's talk radio and some music just to to trigger that to get the editor like like off duty to, to get the editor in my brain to go crazy and, and walk away so that other stuff can come in you know i've, I've done that a few times so you're hearing two different stations Yes. And so wait, so are they both music or you said one's talk and one is one music could be or... talk radio. It could be two different. One could be country and classic rock on it, or it could be, you know, a talk and, and another talk or whatever. Just two different things going at once so that the brain is kind of like distracted and, and, and just right. And, and it kind of is a neat trick. Um, 
Where did you, that's fascinating. Where did you, how did you possibly think of that? I find that's fascinating. Um, I'm trying to think. It might have been uh, way back in the early days. Uh, John Gorka, I think it was. Because I was a young up and coming folk guy. And he was like the veteran folk guy. And um, I think he might have. He might have given me that advice. Put two radios on at once and just just write and see what happens. So you're because see, to me, I cannot write. I need total silence. I yeah. mean, I can't write with music, TV. I can't read with anything. I yeah. wish I could, but I can't. So, I'm the same way. Yeah. So when those radios are going, you're are you using them to actually listen, or is it just kind of like the chaos, oh, no. the, the, the white yeah. noise? Yeah, it's what is the that? Chaos. It's it's not white noise, but it's it's like a chaos because I'm like you. If I can't even play the radio like at dinner because or because yeah. I can't really converse because I'm so attuned to music that oh that is that a minor seven? Oh wow, that like my brain always <laughs> goes and picks apart what it's hearing. Um and um so I don't listen to music casually. I don't have background music like at dinner, um, unless it's like maybe classical or something. But um, but even that, I'll start getting carried away with it. Um, so I'm like you in that I certainly can't have the television. Like as a kid, I couldn't do homework with a TV on. That's what? Are you kidding me? I, yeah. I'm way too distractible. So, But when I get the two things on at once, you can't really grab on to either one. You know what I mean? Or you right. do first, but then you, and it creates this Doppler thing with the, my my writing brain. And so, yeah, two things at once. It, it kind of, it makes the editor um, get confused. You know what I mean? And like, and I think that's good when you can, t- when I can turn the editor off, because I'll be writing on like, oh, that sucks. I can't say that. You know, that editor is always like chopping stuff yeah. before it ever even comes out. So uh, I like to try to, you know, give the editor a little uh, dose of something so he can take a nap once in a while. That is so. Are you using that when you're in a rut? Is that techniques? Like yeah, that, that te- would be that would be a technique I would use if I was like having a hard time, like getting what you might call writer's block. Like, shit, I can't get this freaking middle eight. You know, right? When you're stuck, well, I'll try that, or I'll try taking a nap, and then fresh when you wake up, like to, you're not, you know, that second when you wake up, use that fresh mind. To that that's a trick too to take a nap and wake up. Um, or take a walk, just change your whole attitude or mm-hmm. jump in the lake. If it's swimmable, that's always a big one. See, it's the, we just talked about, it's the role of the movement, right? It is. Yeah, it's, right. That, yeah. it's, it's the limbs <laughs> and all that stuff. See? Um, so move your ass and the mind will follow. Exactly. Right. Isn't that some flaw? I don't know. I read that said some, a great philosophy, right? Move your ass and the mind will follow. Do you think it's, is it important to write every day? Or do you find that forcing it makes things derivative? Well, I think it, it in the world, it probably is important to write every day. I don't do it. I sometimes wish I did. Um, I'd probably have more material if I did. Uh, so, I mean, for me, it's not that important. It's not on my priority list to write every day. I'm more of a, I write for the, um, the function of making records mm-hmm. because um you know, I put me and I like to, you know, have inspiration and have a message in the music and stuff. Um, but uh, for me, it's more about, OK, it's time to make a record because this is, you know, how I 
this is how I, this is my job. And, uh, so that's, that's my little pressure. That's my, uh, the boss, my boss is that voice. It's like, okay, man, you can't just continue touring behind the same, you know, body. You got to put new stuff out, keep people interested, make people have a reason to, you know, pay 45 bucks to come listen to you sing. So right. that's the kind of my mostly my motivator. And, um, I can't, I, you know, I, sometimes I wish I wrote every day, but I guess I just don't want to that much. Hemingway famously said he couldn't write about Paris when he was in Paris. He couldn't write about places while he's needed distance to write mm-hmm. it, to write. Mm-hmm. So can you, when it comes to whether it's a place or maybe an emotion, do you need distance from it to be able to write about it? Or is it more effective when you were in that emotion or maybe immediately after it? I think I totally get that Hemingway thing where, because after I leave a place and let it, the, the memories of it kind of uh, distill or just settle, or uh, you get that nostalgia added to the mix of looking back at it. And, you know, you can still remember the smell of the coffee coming out of the cafe and the bread out of the bakery, but, but not being there, you can add that little pinch of nostalgia in some line that will make it a little more magical as opposed to, okay, I'm in Paris and I'm here and I smell the bread and the coffee's great and the girls are good looking. And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think for yeah. me, maybe, look, I like that Hemingway thing where you, he can't be in Paris when he writes about Paris. I can identify because I tend to write about places after I've left them and they're, you know, they've, they've sort of, uh, grown in my 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 soul a little bit is it the same with emotions do you you know is, is the intensity of emotion of an emotion a good place to write from or do you need distance from that emotion mm. to be able to write about it let's see i'm thinking of uh you know i'm wondering if like john lennon was really actually so tired when he wrote i'm so <laughs> tired <laughs> right hadn't slept away. Although I'm so tired. Um, I think, uh, hmm. I, I, I don't usually personally write when I'm writing it. Like if I'm super angry about something, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, write a big angry song. Or, um, so I, I, t- I tend to write them after the emotion, I guess. I've never thought of that. That's- yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I think, I think you referred to your process as a patchwork. Um, how linear? I'm guessing it's not because you called it a patchwork, but but is because again, like I'll give you the you're right. Some songwriters very linear process. Others tell me that the lyrics are like they you literally write them on art paper, and there's Maybe. thought bubbles, and there's lines, and there's words everywhere. Not linear at all. So where do you fall in that continuum as far as that process? I fall somewhere in between what I call the John Lennon school of writing, which is like, no one, I think it's me, but you know, I know, and it's a dream, you know, like, like what the hell does that mean? Like where he just makes stuff up into the microphone. I love that. And then I'll also be more of the, okay, pen and paper, proper English so that people know what I'm actually trying to say somewhere in the middle. I, I hope most of my songs have some of that, John Lennon school where it's 
stream of consciousness, kind of artsy, you, you say what it means. And then the more, you know, Hemingway, uh, literal, okay, well-written, well, uh, uh, easy to know what I'm saying, but yet poetic. I don't know. When hard you edit, me. it's funny. It's funny. I, I, it's hard for me to talk about writing. It's like Frank Zappa said. It's like writing about what did he say? It's, it's talking about music is like dancing about architecture. Something about something yeah. like that. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, you did mention an editor, though. So when you edit those lyrics, yeah. are you are you editing? Are you how, what is that process like? Are you just are you putting different words? Are you taking words out? Like, what is that editing process, yeah. revising process? like? Yeah, right? I do. I do revision for sure. And it's I think it's effective because I'll, I'll have lines and I'm like, well, that's that's kind of artsy. It's kind of cool. But nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. So hmm. I'll try to put a little more universal phrase in there. That makes a little more sense, but at the same time, not completely chopping block the uh, the artsy, like dreamy, you know, lyrics. I want I always want to keep those in there and let people make up their own mind, because I think it's very important to evoke imagery as opposed to just present it. Like you know, I really think it's important in all art to evoke and not to just give it to you, like. There's a beautiful green tree with birch bark and three bluebirds in it, you know, like, right. To evoke that imagery, I think is it, cause it involves the listener. And so they're even more invested and feel a part of it. It's very, it's, that's like poetry, right? I mean, poetry yeah. is, is it's about a unique way to look at something, you know, that you may have seen a thousand times before, right? That's what a good poem does, at least to me is, you know, it can be about an everyday thing, but it's in a way that you've never thought about it before. So dig it. Like Picasso, you know, Picasso. Yeah. You look at his stuff, it's like, I think it's that, but wow, it makes me feel this way. And I see this. And, you know, as opposed to like a Monet, you know what it is. And it's, you know, kind of squint your eyes and it looks cool. And, but yeah, so I like a little Picasso, a little Monet, a little Hemingway, a little Lennon, a little uh, Dylan, a little uh, John Hyatt. And that's it for the latest episode of Songwriters on Process. Don't forget, you can find all of my interviews with over 200 songwriters on my Songwriters on Process website at songwritersonprocess.com, going all the way back to 2010. You can read them, watch them, or listen to them. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.